on this Monday morning, let's check in with Vaughn Palmer of the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. Hey, did you see any snow? Is it cold over there in Victoria? Now, now Simi, you know that under <laughs> orders from the Victoria Tourist Bureau, I'm not allowed to mention the weather ah, right. in the capital unless it's perfect. So we're not talking about the weather then in the capital? Uh, there's, a, there's a snow warning for Saanich. But, uh, you know, Saanich is a distant, distant place from the provincial capital. And is it? Life is cheap out there, and they endure snow. But here in Victoria, no sign oh. of it yet, but it's early. Joking wow. aside, yes, there's a snow warning. <laughs> that's quite a bubble you live in over there yeah. in Victoria. Yeah, it is a bubble, all right. It's, it's true. a somewhat unreal place, as you will know. That's so true. Uh, let's talk about what's going on this week. Some big meetings starting today. Health ministers meeting in person for the first time in four years. Yeah, healthcare, uh, big topic. Health ministers from across the country meeting, although... You know, I sort of note that the uh, Prime Minister sent his health minister. This is a health minister's meeting. It's not what the premiers have been asking for, which is a first minister's meeting, because they know if they want to pry more money out of Ottawa, they need to talk to the prime minister. The health minister is not going to be able to deliver it. Okay, so then what is the point here? Well, you know, I think it's it's trying to address... Um, the provinces, you know, the provinces are running now a national ad campaign. Uh, the, I've heard the ads on CKNW, and nice of them to do that. Uh, basically, the provinces are saying, look, enough is enough. The federal government is only paying 22% of the cost of providing health care programs that are supposed to be joint funded. They want the federal government to increase that share to 35%. That's what the ads say. As I said, going back to you know a couple of years, they've been asking for this national meeting on health care. Prime Minister put them off and said, well, we have to wait for this pandemic thing to be over. It still doesn't sound like Ottawa is going to come forward with the money. And health Minister Adrian Dix, his patience is running out. He said he's not optimistic, and he's been firing back pretty sharply in interviews. So here's a quote. The Prime Minister is not a potted plant. He can deliver and defend his position if he wishes, but he needs to come to the table. Dix has also accused the federal government of engaging in, quote, madcap leaks to journalists to defend its position. So against that backdrop, Dix is not optimistic that they're going to get very far at this meeting. We know the story. The federal government, first of all, doesn't accept the province's math. They do not accept that it's 22% and 35%. They say it's more than that. And Ottawa is very reluctant to issue blank checks to provinces because they don't expect to get credit for that. They would much sooner announce new programs like dental care, which they just funded, and pharmacare, which they just funded, and child care and other things because the federal ministers get to come out and announce those things and get credit for it. Their great concern is if they write blank checks for provinces, um, the provinces decide how to spend the money, and they sometimes forget to mention that some of it came from Ottawa. This is interesting then. So do you think this is something that's going to ramp up? I don't know where this ends, Simi. I mean, the federal government isn't exactly in a a position to 
grant this across-the-board increase in funding. I, I think the case is fair that the provinces are carrying most of the fiscal weight for health care. I, I think that's true. You know, we can argue over whether it's 22 percent or 35 percent or whatever, but you know, I think that the math, the money, the audited financial statements show that Ottawa is putting a lot less money in than the provinces. And and the flip side is that the provinces haven't always been good about sharing credit. Uh, John Horgan said a number of times, why is the federal government creating new health care programs, dental care, pharmacare, when it isn't even paying for the ones that it already has? So there's a good argument there. But, you know, you also look at things. Um, John Horgan said repeatedly during his time when he was arguing this that we needed a national strategy for health human resources. Provinces needed to stop poaching health shortage of health care workers from each other by offering them more money to move. Well, yes, but look at what one of the last acts of John Horgan government was this incredibly rich, and that's mm-hmm. words from other provinces, deal with family doctors, a 54% fee increase. You think that isn't a lure to recruit family doctors from other provinces? That's certainly how it's seen elsewhere. So on getting more money out of Ottawa, the provinces speak with one voice. On recruiting, hmm, it's pretty much everyone for themselves. It certainly seems that way because there's been a lot of, it seems like, pushback from the other provinces that they seem quite worried about what BC has done. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of reasons why uh, a a family doctor would pull up stakes and move to a different province. But a a grad might take a look at that pay scale and go, hey, this looks pretty attractive. I know there's already been calls in Alberta and Ontario to... We're going to have to step up with the same kind of agreement to keep our family doctors in place. So they start leapfrogging over each other, and um, they they don't they don't increase the stock of doctors in the country. If the federal health minister wanted to show positive signs at this meeting, Duclos, he could do two things. One, he could say the federal government is going to put more money into training doctors and nurses in the country and say that money is coming strings attached. That would be positive. And another thing he could do is say the federal government is going to work with the provinces to eliminate and reduce the barriers to doctors from other countries coming here and practicing medicine because that's a notorious problem. There are people working in British Columbia. David Eby talked about meeting one of them recently. Medical doctors and nurses working in this country not practicing medicine because they can't, because they can't clear the barriers to entry. Right. Okay, so there's that. Oh, also, I wanted to ask you about, apparently, the BC Liberals deciding to vote on their name change. Yeah, they were grumbling about uh, the uh, government having extended the fall break in the legislature to two weeks, but they've decided to use the second of those weeks to hold the promised vote on whether or not to change the party name to BC United. So the voting is being done online next week, uh, Monday and Tuesday. The results will be announced Wednesday. Kevin Falcon is saying, please vote for the name change. We need a new name. 
I would guess, Simi, that the party members, they don't want to, you know, make their leader look bad, so I assume they'll vote for it. And by the time David Eby takes office, he will be facing, well, eventually, a political party named BC United. BC Liberal will be a thing of the past. And they'll be united because it says so right in the name, Vaughn. <laughs> no, but, you know, rebranding a political party, that is a challenge. There's still confusion in this province, even though the liberals have been on the ballot and government for 16 years, they were. There's still voters here who mix them up with um, the federal liberals, wonder where the conservatives are on the ballot. So rebranding a political party is no small order. We were wondering that the party, the, Lib- the party formerly known as Liberals, if that's the way it goes, uh, they get to pick when the actual handover happens, and they have to spend a lot of money on a big ad campaign. There was some thought that they might stick with the old name, even if it's approved, if the new name is approved, through an election, if we had an early election. Now that David Eby is saying not interested in an early election, he saw what happened to incumbents in the civic vote this fall, uh, the Liberals will presumably have time to get the name change through before we get to an election in 2024 or even the fall of 2023. So I assume if it passes, yes, we find that out next Wednesday, you're going to get an ad blitz and you'll probably have heard BC United hammered over your head long enough that you'll be sick and tired of the new name by the time it comes along, because they really have to get it clear that this is the vehicle of choice. By the way, they're hanging on to the rights to the old name. Yeah. They, they don't want anybody out there starting another party called BC Liberals and putting that on the ballot, because that would only add to the confusion. But you said something interesting there, and in that, you know what, they really need to make this decisive, right, to, yeah. to make it stick. So what yeah. would you say, more than 75%? That's a good point. I, they haven't said they're going to announce the results. At least I don't recall if they said that in the press release. Maybe they did. Uh, the Liberals have 45,000 members. That's what they say, which is what, about four times what the NDP had before Angelia Paterai started signing up people. So, uh, yeah, I, I think hmm. they ought to, you're right, Simi. They should announce how many voted yeah. in this thing and what was the margin, because if it's close... Well, uh, that means they got a selling job with their own members, never mind a selling job with the B.C. public. Exactly. Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Cindy.